0: Hello everyone,
1: and welcome back to another interview episode of the SWW show. I'm Mike, and I have with me a special guest that, ah, it's actually in American time zones for once and relatively close to mine. I've been doing a lot of international interviews recently, this is way easier to organize. Uh, Anyway, uh, to get us started, could you please introduce uh, who you are and the game we're here to talk about?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. So, well, my name is Jesse. Um, I'm online. I go by Fulak. Um, I just released my game Hazard Who on Steam. And yeah.
1: Cool. Immediately, Fulakard, I'm glad you have said the name of the game because I was completely unsure how to say the name of the game. I've got to ask, is that like a term that either means something to you or like, do you make it up? That's definitely not like a thing I was familiar with when I saw the name of the game.
0: Uh I get asked this question a lot. The name, to be honest, like I, this is like kinda of based on like an imaginary world that like I would play in when I was a kid, and so like as far as the origin of the name goes, I have no idea. Like just try and picture coming up with a name as a twelve year old.
1: Horrible I can imagine. I like how you just stuck with it. You're like, it is now my name. We will be creating a game after it. Yeah. Yeah. So for people who are unfamiliar with it then. How would you kind of describe this game?
0: Oh, the elevator pitch. Um, so it's an open-world sandbox building game with some survival elements. Um, it's set in a low-fantasy world, so there is magic, but it's not like throwing fireballs and casting you know, thunderbolts on your enemies. Um, so you start off as a character who's been rescued from what is only referred to as the Calamity, and you kind of go through it either by yourself for on an online server, just trying to figure out like remember who your character actually was in this sort of past life of theirs and kind of uncovering the secrets that this world has to offer.
1: Yeah, I gotta say immediately, um, so you were kind enough to give me a code to kinda go mess with the game. And uh I appreciate that intro was very much just you get thrown into this thing and they're like, Hi, I don't know who you are. Can you tell me about yourself? It it reminded me of I don't know if this was on purpose akin to, like, Professor Oak in Pokemon kind of being like, what's your name again? I know, I know, I know you, but what's your name? It's it's kind of like that, of like, do you remember what you look like? I just appreciate that kind of way how you did it.
0: Yeah, that was the, um... that little text, like as you're creating your character of the dialogue between you and this being that you're talking to was a completely last minute decision. Um, uh, one of my uh, people that was helping me bug test, they were like, it, it, it's good, but it's kind of lacking that like back and forth. And then, so I just added that in. So it turns into like an actual conversation with them instead of just like your standard sort of character creation screen, you know, pick what you look like, pick what you, you know, sound like and all that.
1: No, that was just—it was just a fun little. I think it sets the tone very quickly to the game. Um, and it made me, because obviously a lot of time with these games are unclear, like what that tone is and the immediacy. And that I think kind of is a cool way of setting it. But I want to jump back to, as we will get kind of into the cast game, more in a second But you just said the words, "This is low fantasy." So I have my definition of what's low fantasy versus high fantasy. What to you, when you say that, is like so that people kind of understand? What types of fiction to you is low fantasy versus high fantasy? Like, where's Lord of the Rings in this? Where's Harry Potter? Those kind of things.
0: Yeah. So for me, I guess, like, the difference between low fantasy, middle fantasy, high fantasy um, would be, you know, something like, you know, World of Warcraft to me would be high fantasy um something like warhammer would be high fantasy because that's where you have mages running around and you have you know buildings made with magical powers and things floating around um you know the elder scrolls would be high fantasy to me uh lord of the rings would probably be like to me lord of the rings is it's low fantasy because it's a world where there's a lot of magical elements to it and there's a lot of mysticism but to the everyday person just living their life a lot of that, like, it, it's so far withdrawn from just general society that a lot of that stuff is, you know, is it even real? Um, like, you know, like everybody knows about the orcs and the dwarves and the elves and all this stuff. But, to, you know, like, you know, look at the little you know, hobbits living in the Shire. To them, like, it's all stories and legends, right? So, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I would say is, you know, low fantasy for me is just very, um, you know, magic is present, but it's not prevalent.
1: way to kind of view it. Um so I thought of it always like when people ask me to do a shoot I go, I go, to me, it is Harry Potter versus Witcher, is kind of the way I always thought of it. I always Mm -hmm. think of low fantasy as grounded in like it's like the give and take of like Witcher with like potions, right? you can't Mm -hmm. just I am I'm not mystically grabbing a horse's eye and making a potion that does a thousand things. I have to go find the actual herbs and it's grounded into something that exists that then there's a the potion that also has like side effects because i'm putting stuff in my body it's not just just a magical thing yeah or, yeah that makes sense yeah. i was just curious cuz obviously i think it's one of those, it's one of those terms that is very vague/never slash never quite like is a clear
0: definition so yeah it leaves a lot of a lot of room for interpretation doesn't it
1: so let's, let's kind of jump in. So as I said, I jumped in, I played the game for a bit. I'm kind of curious, your initial decision. So you I dropped in, and it's in the beginning of the game, I think it's very unclear kind of what the goal is of the player. Is this mm-hmm. kind of like a purposeful kind of like Minecraft Terraria XS decision that like the player just kind of goes and explores? Or like how, like kind of let's walk through kind of like that first hour of a player playing the game.
0: Yeah, so initially my decision was like I, I made the decision not to really hold players' hands because there's a lot of different things that you can do in the game, and one thing that I really appreciate when I'm playing games is not being told how to play it, but sort of figuring that stuff out for myself because to me that's a little bit more rewarding. So I wanted the game to reflect that. Um, as far as like the lack of direction and things like that, I I do think. You know, this is also my first time ever publishing a game on a wide scale, like this, too, right? So, um, I think that the lack of direction might be a little bit, there might be too little direction given to the players. (laughs) So, um, I mean, thankfully, this is 2021, so I can, you know, kind of go back and fix that a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I guess you know just sort of leaving things open to the players letting them go through figure things out on their own and sort of figure out where they want to go next the game does have a storyline but ultimately like hazard who is rooted in um things like i mean people throw around terms like emergent gameplay and stuff like that but for me it's just i just like to say it's a sandbox right like you can follow the story and go through and figure all this stuff out or if, if you want you can just sit there build a house and you know just farm your life away and make you know like you know, make a little ranch and just hang out on a server with your friends and role play for hours on end, so. Which do you prefer doing? Are you kind of like the,
1: obviously you made the story, so I, I assume it's not the story option, but I'm kind of curious, kind of, if you were a player, kind of, which would these routes you tend to go around?
0: Uh, For me, I'm definitely more of the, kind of, just sit and hang out and role play type. Um, I'm a huge fan of, you know, online communities just in general um and that was really what you know has kept hazard who going it's something that i've been working on I first started working on this when i was a teenager like 15 years ago um and it was just a. Uh, really really simple building game that a bunch of people just started playing and we just started having fun and writing stories on so for me it's definitely the role play side of things and then to kind of like tie the story into that is a lot of the elements of the story are actually drawn from things that happened in role plays between um, a lot of the players through different iterations of the game throughout the years
1: how okay no I didn't realize that's kind of interesting actually so let's kind of jump i want to kind of go down that road then so we're going to go on this like role-playing kind of as you're crafting it one of the things that i think caught me immediately was that the game tells me what i can build for my resources i'm kind of curious mm-hmm. so obviously that's like a change that minecraft over the years right It went from you having to be on the wiki to the game kind of putting it into the game itself was that kind of... Because I'm kind of curious, because to me it almost feels antithesis to a role-playing game where you think you would want the player to almost discover these recipes. Or is that kind of just a decision you made because usability? Or I'm just kind of curious.
0: Uh, so the... Yeah, so viewing like, you know, you... Let's say you want to build a wall, right? It'll tell you what tool you need to build that wall. It'll tell you the resources that you need in order to build that wall. Um that was a decision that I kind of made just to make the game more accessible to people. Um, because while like you know having obscurity and like having that thrill of discovery is fun, at the end of the day, you don't want people that like, you don't want to have to like minimize out of your game to look something up and then go back and double check it. Um, so that's kind of where that decision came from. I hope that i did a good job of you know there is still that aspect of discovery is you know in order to build anything you have to have gone and you have to have had the tool and you have to pick up the resources for it so for example to build if you want to build a big stone wall you'll have to have gone through the hoops of you know finding stone mining the stone um breaking it down to the different materials and as you do all of these things and as you complete all these different steps you unlock more and more recipes and learn how to build more and more things
1: yeah that was also one of the things that caught me immediately was so i was like i spawn i'm like oh i see a tree i'm assuming go collect these of the tree i didn't realize that i just come with like a like a axe or on me i was like oh that's a thing so I, i like how you did those like at least that little twerk of of, like, getting me past the very tedious parts of these kind of games?
0: Yeah, there was, uh, up until literally the patch that I just released on oh, geez, two days ago, um, there's been a running joke for the entirety of the game that you need a knife to craft a knife. And when, like, when, a, when, when you die in the game, you drop everything. And one of the biggest pieces of feedback I got from the initial release on Steam was people saying, like, hey, like, my character died, and I had all my stuff on them, and now I don't have a knife or a hatchet, and I need a log and a board and a knife to make a knife. So I had to go back and make a couple little corrections, but yeah. Aside from the knife and the hatchet, though, pretty much everything is. <laughs> Be careful.
1: So, so obviously, permadeath is at least it's semi-permadeath, right? Because I'm it's the, that's the normal kind of these kind of games permadeath. Uh mm. it is a thing that I feel is off-putting to some players. Is that just because you it sounds like you come from some of a role-playing game background and that's just kind of coming from that background is where you wanted to do that? Or like or is there do you have a concern of like off being off putting to players who are like, I don't wanna like it's gonna stress them because if they die obviously they lose a lot of progress.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's obviously a big drawback from a game that's so based heavily that based so heavily on the things that you have on your character as opposed to traditional skill levels. Um as far as like being off putting to certain players, one thing that I've been really careful to kind of think about is making sure that, you know, when somebody does die, that's not the complete end to everything. Um it does come from the role play background. I like personally, my preference is like when your character Dies, like that's it. You got to make a new one. Like that character's gone. Um, But that's something that in the next few updates here, I'm working on getting some more in depth um, settings for when you either start your own local game or if you wanted to start up a server to host for other people to play where you'll be able to have settings to configure things like that to kind of tune the game to what your specific play style is so if you are that more hardcore role player you can have you'll have a setting that says like when a player when a player dies what happens do they lose their character do they lose their inventory or do they just get to you know respawn as you would in a traditional rpg right so yeah, you're way nicer it's definitely than Definitely a balancing act.
1: One of my options would be like, and the entire world just goes away. It's like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> server goes down, wipes the files. That's it, dude. There's a
1: plugin out there that if you could call it, some it's like some batch out there that would just delete a random file on your computer. You should have that. You should find that plugin. Just have that game mode be on. Like, and when you die, something goes with it. We don't know what, but a piece of your computer is gone forever.
0: Oh, uh, what's that old folder on Windows? I think that... uh, System 32. <laughs> <laughs> you take the computer with you? That
1: feels accepted, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Yeah. But you have to put like a giant warning being like, this will delete your
0: computer. If you exit the game, <laughs> the computer goes. The only way to save it, <laughs> you have to finish the game or your computer is garbage. Jesus, that would be, that'd
1: be wild. And you're like, and you have oh. something in there and you're like, you're like, yeah, and you have to open the game now. Once it's open, like once a week, or it's going to do it itself. Like you have to, like really scare <laughs> oh, people. Oh no!
2: <laughs> so, so, oh
0: man,
1: let's let's assume you're not going down that road for right now. But I'm just saying you could okay. you could go on the road. So you are. You have released the game into the wild in early access. Uh mm-hmm. how has that? So we're talking. It's like a couple of days old. How has this
0: last mm-hmm. week of your life been? If you slept at all um it's been a little bit stressful (laughs) to say the least um there've been a couple of hiccups i've been getting some pretty decent sleep not as well as i usually get um yeah it's been it, it it's been a roller coaster for sure there's a lot more to you know sort of releasing a game like making a game first of all but releasing a game than a lot of people understand and Uh, Like I said before, I think that this this is my first time ever, you know, publishing a game. And one thing that I was not expecting, even though so much reading tells you point blank about it, once you hit that big green button on Steam, that's not the finish line, that's the start line, and then all of a sudden... (laughs) you know, you're, you're looking, you're looking at things, you're staying caught up on community discussions and you're, you know, you're in your discord all the time, just trying to like, see what people, what people are saying, make sure that people are talking and, you know, that they have the right information. And if not trying to make these, you know, last minute little course corrections, you know? So, um, yeah, I even ran into a problem where I have a main server that I keep up for the game and that was down for two days, um, because of some technical issues too. So (laughs) it's been, it's been a ride for sure.
1: No, I can... It's it's always just this fun level of being like, perfect, everything's great. Hit the green button. You're like, wait, I forgot to add what? <laughs> yep. Have you... So obviously you said you released a patch like two days ago. Have you had any of those like weird hiccups that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's soft, everything's broken? Or has it just been like the server is the only example of that?
0: Oh, no. It's been... There's been a lot of stuff. There was a bug where... Um, literally just mousing over one specific object in the game would just crash you to the desktop. Uh, wouldn't crash the server, but it, and that one took a while to figure out and like actually nail down because it's not, I hadn't made any changes to anything involving that in months. So it was just, but thankfully we were able to figure it out. Um And then I'm, I have, I'm actually in the middle of working on another patch because I did a little bit of, work on the save file formatting and I've been getting reports of people that can't access their characters on their local servers. So I need to get a patch out to fix that up too. It's been just, you know, go, go, go putting out fires left and right. So, <laughs> Oh God,
1: I hate, so, I, so my pet peeve, I hate and projects I'm working on is save files uh, because they're one of those things that people are like, how are you be to save files? And you're like, you just like have gray hair and you just stare at them. You're like saving stuff is the worst thing in the world.
0: Yeah, it can be for sure,
1: especially especially when you're like you're doing like adjusting save files, which you're like, okay, I've adjusted the save file format. Does this break anyone's past save files? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank thankfully from what I found, the save files are there and they're intact. It's just a problem with how they're being read, so the game's just not connecting them.
1: Which, that's, like, not personally hard. What I've learned so is I just kind
0: of keep... That's that's very positive. It could have been worse. Could
1: have been worse. <laughs> yeah, what I do is I keep an old version of every save file somewhere in my computer so I could just kind of check it against each, being like, does this break anything? No, perfect. Because you always have the chance of a player who played the game in the beginning, and now you're, they're ten patches later and turn it back on, and now that save file can be the one they're comparing it against, and you're like, oh no.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, my 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 plan is to I spent a lot of time with all of the saving and especially being a game that, you know, like everything is saved in real time on the server. So, um, you know, like you you drop a log that gets saved on the, the ground wherever you end up dropping it. And that's all in real time. So I had to spend a lot of time on the save stuff to A make sure that everything was working right, but B also to make sure that it was fast enough to actually work properly in a setting like that. Um, so the plan was once the game was released, never to have to touch that again. But of course, you know, things hardly ever go as planned. And I did have to make a couple of small tweaks, but hopefully this is the end of it and everything should be smooth sailing from here on out, as far as save files go, at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can I can admit, I see that to me, the shortcut ways every every item just saves itself, but I could see uh, processing issues very quickly in
0: that one. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. If any student was ever like, how do you do this? I'm like, very simple. That log saves itself. He worries about his own ass. No one else. I don't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually tried that way back in the beginning, and it very quickly fell apart.
1: What you have is you're like, I have 10,000 objects all trying to simultaneously save themselves. What could go wrong?
0: <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, the server's stuck for 15 minutes trying to just save everything.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's <laughs> an atrocious the easiest answer is atrocious. So mm-hmm. as i said you're currently in early access. Mm-hmm. Um i'm kind of curious so if a player hops in now versus when you're coming out of early access in, in about 6 months from now what 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 can the player kind of expect to change?
0: Right. So um being in early access my biggest thing for that was you know being a small developer with a really small community and that community being so already used to the game a really big struggle that i kind of ran into when i was deciding whether to do early access or not was just my lack of outside perspective on the game so that's what i saw early access as was an opportunity to have a lot uh, a much more diverse group of people play the game and you know give feedback on that positive or negative i mean it's all it all helps make the game better. Um, so as it stands right now, the game itself it's playable. Um, it's got the first little bit of the story into it. Um, it's already got, I th- think, it's got a few hundred different things that you can craft. Different, you know, different types of buildings, a whole slew of different items and equipment and systems like alchemy and hunting and reading and writing. And um, there's even spoken languages and stuff like that um so the biggest differences are going to be uh right now the map is relatively small um, because there's a lot of detail work that does go into it and unlike games like minecraft and terraria and like valheim um the map itself is i i go through and i physically place almost every object on that map because you know i i want to make sure that you know different areas are giving the right feel and they're working properly so the first and most parent thing will be that you know the map will be something like four times the size that it is right now um the next will be you know i've got an original soundtrack and a whole bunch more sound effects that i still have left to plug into the game i'm also doing a massive visual update for water um and then of course the storyline will be fully fleshed out and in the game by the time that it gets released uh, yeah and then there's a few other sort of not immediate systems, like not not things that players will ha- sort of have access to immediately, but things that they'll sort of unlock in like the middle and the end game towards the storyline. Um, and those are things like um, a little bit more enhanced um, AI, um, really fine tuning animal breeding and things like that, and you know just adding in a whole bunch more creatures and all of that fun stuff and dungeons to crawl through and bosses to kill and things like that.
1: I can I can imagine for a uh, solo developer this sounds like a lot of work. Uh, I think that's a fair way of putting this. Um, <laughs> so does that stick with? Then I, I know on the Steam I'm looking okay, at when I said six months, so where I pulled that from. Is that still kind of your goal? Is what you're thinking so this six month window until you're in a quote unquote full release, whatever that means, in 2021?
0: That's my plan. Um, I mean, the best plans are often laid to waste, but so the plan. It, a lot of a lot of the. The back end work for most of these updates has already been done. It's just a matter of, you know, making sure that everything balances well together. So um, the plan right now is to kind of just take it easy for the next month, just as I'm gathering feedback from the people that are playing the game and making small adjustments to balancing and things like that in the meantime. Um, and then I'm sort of giving myself two months to work on each of these major updates. And I have a roadmap on, the website and i posted it to steam as well i've got it broken up into three um major updates um each one of them brings you know a new section of the map some more stuff to make more enemies um and some more uh systems and improvements to the game as well but yeah you're right it's it's a lot of work (laughs)
1: perfect well if people wanted to go check out the game join the community any of that fun stuff where should they be go looking
0: Mm -hmm. um one of the hard things about having a Game with a name that's so hard to pronounce, it's also kind of difficult to spell. But we do have our own website. And if you do Google the game, pretty much everything that comes up will be relevant to it. So uh, the game is called Hazard Who, and that's H A Z O R D H U. Um, so you can check it out on com. You can search it up in the Steam store. And yeah, like I said, you can just Google it. Perfect.
1: Well, Jesse, thank you for taking time out of your day very busy day i bet you to talk about the game uh, thanks again for giving us an opportunity to uh, play the game before this interview and giving the code for it and best of luck in probably the next six months will be the most stressful of your life so best of luck on that one and remember <laughs> sleep is
0: good for you it is that's what they say <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you so much for having me and uh hope to talk to you again and hopefully with another game release in a few years
1: this episode is partially brought to you by the humble choice program did you know humble bundle has a great monthly subscription service that lets you get a ton of video games every single month that's right from plans range from five dollars to 20 bucks a month you get a hold of a bunch of free games they have available to you and you can use our code down in the description below to go and sign up. It would help our podcast and help you see what great games are available for you this month. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another interview special of the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and today with me, two special guests from all the way around the world, I suppose. Uh, so to get us started, I guess we'll start with Nino. If you're going to choose yourself and the game we're here to talk about.
3: Yeah, hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you, Mike, for having us here. Uh, so, my name is Nino. Uh, I'm a developer and co-owner of uh, Foxy Voxel Studio, small indie studio of so seven people. We are from Serbia, and we are working on simulation simulation SimCity game uh, going medieval. Perfect. Yeah, so
1: as I said, we're Nino, and then also it's vladimir i assume i'm pronouncing it right yes yeah perfect okay yeah so yeah Cheers. we have both of you guys here obviously talk about going medieval so i think i am a little unclear so obviously as far as i understand you two are the co-owners of the studio foxy voxel do you mind kind of giving us a quick rundown kind of do you both kind of do all the design work or one of you more art heavy one of you more programming heavy just so i have a kind of so we have an understanding of like who it is we're talking to as we talk about this game? Yeah, Yeah, uh,
2: so uh, I'm uh, Vladimir. Yeah, I'm one of the co-owners. So the two of us own the company, but we also have uh, other employees. We have uh, five more people uh, working for the company. Uh, We are pretty much hands-on on on the game, so all seven of us work on the project. uh nino is uh he's mainly uh design audio production <laughs> and a little bit of programming <laughs> so mainly uh i am more on the art side uh and design side so no programming for me uh i'm pretty much illiterate when it's uh <laughs> when it's about programming but everything visually uh, about the game i have a say and I touch upon uh, so that's so you have basically the visual guy and uh, oh N- Nino a mixed bag he's more of a mixed bag than I, was I saying, am. Nino sounds like he so does I, does
1: everything I understand you guys both yeah. are super busy do everything but you are like I do art Nino does yeah. everything else <laughs> no, no no so we can
2: <laughs> so we can we can uh-huh. we can say what we don't do so Nino doesn't do art I don't do <laughs> programming and audio so that's it you know? that's basically. Uh, and yeah, Nino doesn't uh, check the mail, so yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> your or mine. Yeah, b- basically, know, I mean, basically the company mail. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, basically the going medieval is is Vladimir uh, Vladimir's brainchild. So he's too humble yeah. to, to to say that. Publicly. Oh no, I haven't started yet. <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> so basically, it was his idea and like main design, uh, is his, uh, I'm also, because we worked together in previous companies as well. And I worked on design a lot. So basically we were also kind of co-working on design on that other game previously. And we, we thought we are functioning really good together. And, um, yeah, so, so it, it's continued the relationship on design part that Vladimir is more, more, most, like ground ideas are his and then we are bouncing other ideas of each other and trying to fine tune everything.
1: Okay, so let's, let's I'm going to I'm going to start I guess with more piercing Vladimir's brains and We'll jump back to you in a second, Nino. You know. Um since we we're going to go with the kind of this was his ground at least the ground idea was his, right? Now it's games, so stuff shifts a ton and the ground ideas might not be the final product. What? Yeah. So the way you described it was kind of like a city builder. Um, and I think of it as... And maybe you guys want to... I can see this and I can tell you immediately this is an Eastern European style kind of game. Just looking at how you guys are doing the art and looking at it. What is the hole either in the marketplace or that you feel something that you wanted to create that other games weren't... Like that itch they weren't scratching... What, where do you think this game kind of falls into that, that you felt like there's a game you wanted to make?
2: Yeah, uh, so we uh, we wanted to make a uh, colony sim, uh, just because we wanted to make it. Just because I, I mostly, uh, because it started for me, I loved the way that you can micromanage everybody in a colony sim. Uh, and I don't like, I mean, I love city builders, of course. But the detachedness of the city, bu- the city builder, it was kind of uh, cold for me from a design perspective. Like you know, you don't know who your people are in Stronghold and you know uh, SimCity. But here, I wanted, uh, I, I, the idea was that the player would uh, understand the motivations of his, um, of the settlers, and you know like, uh, know them individually and grow on them individually. Something that games like RimWorld and Stoneheart do to you, you know, like, you grow on them, you tell their stories in your head, and I loved that, and I wanted to combine it with a little bit of stronghold, you know, like, building your massive castle and giving the player the freedom to build interesting structures, and make those structures matter when uh, defense is there, you know, when somebody is attacking you. That's why we needed that combat element in the game uh so that the player would have a meaning why he's building those giant walls um so that was that was kind of the the, the itch we wanted to scratch uh from also f- so let, let's say the itch is Rimworld meets Stronghold i know it sounds like a huge thing uh we're not even uh we're, we th- those are our inspirations and we're not trying to copy them of course, but those are kind of that, that's that's the that's the niche we want to get into. Uh, the medieval settings is also plays into that because I love that uh, like nitty gritty hands on uh, construction where everything was done by hand. Every uh, you see the resource in the wild like clay, and you can bake it into a brick and make a brick wall. That, that's that's very appealing to me, so and the, I think it's, it's appealing to the players also. I was
1: gonna say so it's. Sorry? As I was say, it's kind of like, obviously, you're a lot different, but it's kind of like, to me, the idea that I think it's an itch that Minecraft actually scratches really well is the, I see a yeah. resource, I can go actually touch that actual mine of that resource and go make it to something else.
2: Yes, but, like, uh, putting it not in the first-person perspective, more of a, like, settler uh, settlement perspective, where you have this nice coat. So it's not like open world, I know a lot of people love the open world, it it is, that exploration part is fantastic, but I love the part where we have this map, this chunk of land, and you can terraform it, and you can make something, you can see how it looked like in the beginning, there's trees, there's bushes, there's everything, and then as you play, you see like your town growing slowly, and every piece of wall was put there by you, so there's a freedom there, and it kind of uh sometimes looks like over a bit overwhelming, like designing every room, everything, but I think the the joy of making everything fit together and designing the way you want is like it's 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 awesome it's it's not like a prefab of a structure that you just place and you're thinking about the street here you're thinking about every nook and cranny you know um and also like the the medieval settings is also important I think that is something that's uh it's interesting to—it's—it's—it's it's, it, it's having a great comeback now. Everybody uh, is, you know, there's a, there, there's a trend in uh, medieval games. That trend started uh, when we started working on the game, and now you can see it in full throttle with Medieval Dynasty and a lot of other cool games that are coming out uh, at this moment.
1: So I'm curious, kind of, and this guy should kind of expand to both of you as we kind of talk about the programming and the design of this some more. So one, to me, what stands out about medieval from a structural game point of view is the inherent limitations that the player has in both tools at their disposal and stuff they can make. So obviously they can't make a car, right? Because it's medieval. I'm getting curious for both of you guys, as you went through this process, how you made those limitations not only fun but you kind of kept them in mind when designing systems that the player had to be able to understand. Like, what was your line of making this feel realistic for the time versus, let's be honest, usable and fun for the players because sometimes they're at odds
0: with each other?
3: Well, you know, we always have, like, uh, okay, we... For this kind of design decisions, of course, we go by, by our hunch, by our, by our gut feeling, but also we are always having in mind, like, okay, for for a person who likes medieval fantasy and uh, not, not fantasy as in high fantasy, but, you know, to, to, to fantasize about medieval times and uh, which is in our game, we are trying to make it really realistic and without any fantasy. So we are trying to, to, to imagine that kind of player and to see, okay, what those people would like to role play in, in, in game. And because it's uh, it's medieval times and it is kind of in, in common consciousness uh, what kind of times those were. Although, you know, it, it's really skewed by the, the, the film industry, how things really were, were at that time. But, you know, there is some common sense and then then uh it it's very logical that okay if you make a fire you can make a meal on it and also it warms you up so only with those kind of simple interactions with uh kind of expected natural physical outcome there is ton of 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 systems and and interesting gameplay that can emerge so you can uh there are obvious you know limitations for this kind of game okay we don't have like uh conveyor belts <laughs> which okay it's it's not di- really that kind of game but you know someone will ask for it and uh, you know but in this medieval settings we have pretty good uh, explanation why we don't have them or there is no like machine guns or bombs or whatever so basically, bombs, you know, maybe, you know, yeah, yeah, one, okay. one day. Okay, there was gunpowder, so <laughs> yeah. back then, but it wasn't that much in use. Um, uh, but but you know, this is kind of, and generally in in any kind of of creative uh, art or you know of creative work, limitations only propel you know uh, uh, imagination and and makes make you you know make more interesting things, in my opinion.
1: Guys, line of balance between what I would define as pop culture Hollywood medieval versus, like, real-life medieval?
2: <laughs> that is, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's, yeah, very interesting question. It's a blurry line. Uh, sometimes we would, like, uh, think about, like, even real-life things that we know. I mean, we're from a rural part of uh i'm from a rural rural town Nina is from a bit, little a bit bigger town of course but we know about a lot of things like agriculture and stuff that was done by hand how it looked like and some of those things are like too just like talking about the mid let's talk about just medieval tech i mean we have stories from our uh grandparents and stuff how land was done with oxes and with without tractors and stuff like that. So we talk about those things a lot, and we always opt for – it doesn't feel fun. If it doesn't feel fun, if it's just tedious, then, like, let's not use it. Uh, and for, like, the combat reason, the combat stuff and stuff like that, it's even harder because we don't have a point of reference from, like, our own knowledge. We only have, like, oh, we read this in a book that a sword wasn't useful but in every hollywood movie a sword is useful and from a gameplay perspective uh the player w- will want to use a sword and will want to uh perceive the sword as something better than an axe and that wasn't realistic but we're going to put it in because we don't want the player to feel alienated a lot because it's not that kind of it's it's supposed to be fun at the end it's not supposed to be uh punishing for the player To uh, not so yeah, it's 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 a fine line that we have to walk, and we have to make uh, interesting decisions from time to time. I mean, interesting like just just an interesting tidbit. I wanted the spear to be a much stronger weapon in the game, and I designed it from the beginning like that. It's just like oh, it has greater damage, it has better reach, but but then when we needed to produce it in the game it it you need wood and you need a little bit of metal for a sword you need a lot of metal and then it made the sword totally obsolete it didn't make any sense to even have swords in the game if you make a spear then you're a good you have good fighters on your hand if but then we needed to make that compromise to like make the player work for that sword make steel make a stronger sword have a good uh blacksmith to be able to create it and then reward the player okay now you have a very strong weapon now we have a powerful weapon and we needed to nerf the spear because of that and i'm pretty sad because of it maybe we'll find some uh, nice balance later on where the spear has different abilities i don't know it can reach on the first level of a wall or something like that but for now it's just it's it's a nerfed weapon and i'm sad about it but i think at the moment it's a better uh solution it, it's a better decision than uh going in realistically because you know people are gonna play for honor and be like okay the two handed sword is, is is a powerful weapon. Why is it not powerful in this game I mean nobody's gonna say that like that, but I don't want the players to uh the, the our players to get uh feel that the game is janky because of it you know I, well one moment you even mentioned that our game looks uh, European, Eastern European. So I immediately thought like, okay, you think it's Eurojank. But... No, no, they, but it's it, okay.
1: To be fair, it's a it's No, just a, kidding. A, but it's coming from an American point it's of cool. view and I and my and I'm studying some of history and it's very much it's like there's certain architectural styles and art looks that kind of go like, oh I know this is roughly European, especially from talking to you guys. And I could be yeah. like, this <laughs> Eastern or Western castles have a little different look to them, depending which which art style it is.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. Yes. Yeah. So ba- mean, we, basically,
3: we are over, always opting out when we can for historic accuracy, where we can. Uh, but you know, I, I, in the end, at the end of day, uh, the gameplay is king, and having fun is king because this is. But game. for
2: but yeah, for but for historic accuracy, for instance, we uh, didn't want the game. At one point, we we put in these nice pine trees in the game, like oh, pine trees, they're cool. Uh, but uh, the English islands don't have a lot of pine trees in medieval times. <laughs> so not, not like they, they almost don't have any. There's only the Scottish pine and the Scottish pine doesn't look that much like a pine tree, uh, like the one that you picture in your head from every game ever. So we left pine trees in, but there's very few of them on your map. And we even called them the Scottish pine. And I even thought about like adding uh, in the description, like, okay, this is historically inaccurate, but I st- didn't want to do that because then it seems like we're uh, giving the players reason to find those uh, historical inaccuracies. But yeah, that's that's also a, also a fun, interesting detail. So imagine this is a.
1: Complicated balancing act, I think is a fair way of putting it. I kind of jump to what is interesting, kind of so in games like this. Obviously, we talked about so far that you guys made it. So you see a resource, you kind of build upon, and you create your castle. I want to jump back to this thing that you. I don't remember which one you was talking about. It where like the villagers have some level of you care about them was kind of like the goal in in the beginning of creating this. How do you guys get that across? I assume one of the ways to do that is to limit the amount of villagers or people. So, if I have a thousand of them, I might not care about the individual. <laughs> How are you limiting that with the idea of making sure the game still feels like there's a scale to it that matters versus being like, I have two villagers. How much can I actually get done? Like, I'm kind of curious on that level, the balancing act.
3: Well, uh, do you want? We are okay. Yeah, yeah, I can go. Then you can fill in yeah. what what I missed. So, so basically, we we are trying wherever we can to soft lock things. You know, not to put any like real block. Like, okay, you can ha- you can have twenty villagers, and then no one new will come to you. Um, so we are trying to to give player reason if they have too many villagers, not to have too many villagers and uh those systems are not fully yet in 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 place as we are focusing on like early to mid game and these are like really heavy uh late game uh <clears throat> mechanics so basically yeah you you can you can have more villagers if you want to but uh basically uh as stronger you grow the 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 bigger armies or you know the the, the more Powerful enemies will 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 get to you. For example, that's that's one of the soft locks we 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 have in in place. But of course, as in any game, uh, after some time you can be really strong. But you know, going medieval is not really about. Uh, it's really more thought of like sandboxy game. So you know, having enemies attacking you is just one mode. You can play without enemies completely. And just focus on building, and then in that case, you know, you 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 need more villagers, of course, to, to build to build uh, faster.
2: Yeah, and it kind of there there is that one problem as you mentioned because uh, having uh, you know like imagine playing Sims and you have four Sims and you love your family of Simses, and then you at one point you want to play the game like you have you want to have fifty Sims in your house. Uh, I, mean, I don't know, if the, I, I can't remember the last time I played Sims, if that's even possible, but if that's your thing, if the game is a sandbox and that's your thing, you can do it. Uh, we're not, at one point, yeah, we're going to slow down the player so when he gets over 20 the settlers, it's going to be a hard road to the 30th uh, one, but we don't want to stop the player. If the player wants to do it, it's okay. And if he's playing that much hours and then the game starts to stutter, and it's weird to have to control 30 people at the same time. I mean, that's that's on the player. I think that's kind of cool. We're going to do as much as we can so it doesn't stutter, of course. But the sweet spot, I think, is like 12, 15 villagers. For me, after that, it's kind of, you don't know who is who. You're just letting them do things autonomously. And the moment you think about your settlers as autonomous, like people just doing their daily routine, then it becomes... Something more similar to the settlers or something like that. Where uh, and then the game is just a bad settlers. You know, like that's not the point of the game. That then the game becomes not interesting because they don't have that complex production chains. Uh, The their production chains are fairly simple. It's more of a like you need to feel about them. And but the game isn't. uh, It's not. We try as much as we can to convey that it's not the having more villagers is not your uh, it, it's not what you need to do it's not your goal to have more villagers uh, and at the moment the game doesn't have any uh, like end game goals we have a lot of them planned but uh, almost we won't have any for early access uh, we will. Uh, And we want to, we're even trying to design those goals not to be like, okay, have 30 villagers and then you're going to win the game. So no, no, you can win with, we want the player to win the end goals with one villager if he wants to. It's going to be hard. It's going to be easier with 10 or something, but we want the player to do it. We, and also we're going around that idea where if, you know, like the siege uh, stories from history are very interesting where there are stories where 20 men would defend uh, against an army of 300 if they're uh, in a good castle, you know. So that's, we're trying to work on uh, on that also. Like, okay, we have you have your five people and 15 guys are attacking you. If you're behind good walls and you have your good archers up there, you're going to defend, that's going to be cool. That's going to be a cool feeling, you know, when that happens.
1: So that kind of jumps into kind of what I want to kind of, talking to in a second is as we were talking, you guys are pre-early access currently, like you're wish listable on Steam, and I'm kind of curious so obviously there's no date it looks like set for early access yet what, what if I'm a player who's going to purchase this game what would a game uh, look like at when it launches in early access versus what are you guys kind of main goals for the game to kind of look like when you guys get out of early access sometime later
2: Oh Nino, go through the list. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it's a long list to to go through. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so basically, uh, we are right now with we had like a month ago a uh, closed beta, and we will have another one soon, and we will announcing we will be announcing this r- really soon in upcoming weeks. So I don't know what, when this airs, but we are now end of March. So uh, basically, uh. Uh, the list is long. What we would like to do, and what we were getting from as a feedback or you know wish list from uh, our players, current in in beta, but um, it will really, really massively uh, 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 depend on on you know feedback we will be receiving through throughout the early access. Basically, we are looking at the early access and. One of the main reasons why we decided to go to early access not only because you know we 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 wanted first to to go to early access and make game together with the community this was like, like we are not doing it because early access is now popular or to get money early really uh, of course those there is something in those reasons as well but main reason is to to make community involved. To make people interested in it, uh, helping us uh, make them make the game they will enjoy, and as well uh, as we were. So basically, we are giving, looking at this early access thing like uh, our game dev sandbox, where we are giving, okay, until early access, we are giving to players our vision and direction of the, what this game might be. But what this game will become, what features are going to be implemented during early access, how long the early access will take—it uh, depends on 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 players.
1: Perfect. Well, guys. manager. Yeah. I want to say thank you for sitting down and talking to me about Going Medieval. Um, as we get to the end of this, where if people want to go check out the game or learn more about it, I know it's Going Medieval on Steam. Oh, where else should people be going to look?
2: Well, the best place, uh, if somebody wants to help us, is to go on Steam, wishlist it, go to the forums, uh, Steam forums. We are pretty active there. We want to answer all the questions. And, of course, our Discord, uh, we have a pretty good community there, uh, around, I don't know, 2,000, 3,000 people, I'm not sure. Uh, and we're pretty active daily. Uh, people are very friendly. It's very uh, it's a very nice uh, environment at the moment. Not at the moment. I hope <laughs> always. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so it's a nice environment there, and that's I, I. So Discord and Steam. I think those are the best two yep. places to find out as uh, if you want to find out more.
3: Yep.
1: Well, guys, thanks again taking time out of your afternoon or evening, whatever it is for you guys, and best of luck as you get slowly towards the early access or uh, release of the game.
2: Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Mike.
1: This podcast was a production of The SWW Show. To learn more, go to theswwshow.com. Or you can follow the show on Twitter at The SWW Show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Maroney. You can follow AJ at Low Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time on anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.